You're listening to the River Church Podcast for Sunday, November 5th, 2006. And after a few bars from Brother Love, we're going to hear from Pastor Chris. This is The Journey of Dating, Episode 1. attraction, the room positioning, the first real eye contact, the flutter of the heart, the introduction, the awkward loss of words, the thrill of getting to know someone you're attracted to. the anticipated creative dates. The fun time of thinking and dreaming. What's next? When will I see him? When will I see her? The silly fun idiosyncrasies. The slip-up. The first mistake. The first lie. The first cry. The first breakup. The first makeup. The pain. The unknownness. Uncontrollableness. The wonder, will I be alone or will I be with someone? The change from the silly, cute idiosyncrasies to just flat out annoying habits. On and on goes the journey of dating. Well, this morning we're starting a new series. It's entitled The Journey of Dating. And this series is clearly designed for anyone who is dating right now. And it's also designed for those who are, have the potential to date right now. Yet it's also designed for parents who have daters or potential daters. And it's extremely important for those of you who are grandparents and have daters or potential daters in your family. Because grandparents, you have this unique and extremely powerful influence on your grandchildren like no one else on the planet. This series is also designed for those of you who like to play Cupid. (laughs) You know, the matchmaker deal. Uh, You know, you want to do the love connection, do the Chuck Hillary, two and two, give me two minutes and two seconds and I'll help you hook you up with someone. This series is not just designed for singles who are dating right now. 
It's designed for everyone. It's extremely important. And so we're going to spend four weeks on looking at different aspects, uh, different legs on the journey of dating. Um, These four uh, legs, if you will, on the journey of dating that we're going to be looking at, I think are extremely important for all of us to understand, to think about, um, to contemplate, to dialogue with our friends, to dialogue with our parents, to dialogue with our grandparents, to dialogue with uh, our date. Um, So it is my prayer and it's our prayer at the River Church that the wisdom that we're going to be looking at and talking about and sharing today and the next three Sundays uh, would deeply enhance our relationships our potential dating relationships, our dating relationships right now, and will deeply equip um, those of us who are parents and those of us who are grandparents and those of us who just love to do the matchmaking Cupid deal. Um, So with that, this first leg of the journey of dating that we're going to be looking at is what is most important in this dating journey? What is the most important deal that we need to really focus in on and put time and energy in? What is this deal? Where our culture comes out and clearly communicates what is most important in dating. And we're going to take a look at a video clip of a movie, Failure to Launch. So let's take a look at what our culture says. According to our culture, what's most important in dating is physical attraction, sexual flirtation, sexual experimentation, sexual satisfaction. I'll never forget a little over a decade ago when I was a youth pastor, when a young teen who I was investing a lot of time and energy in uh, shared with me and a group of other teenagers that he thought that a successful first date is ending up in bed with each other. And after we heard him share that, and I was thinking about that, because here is a a young gentleman who is not even old enough to drive yet, and he believes that success on your first date is ending up in bed. And I asked him, why do you think that? Why, Why do you think that's what a successful date is? And he shared with me a specific TV show that many of us would go, oh, that's a cool rerun. And he said, in that TV show, he learned that a successful date is ending up in bed. And then he went on and said, two blockbuster movies about 12 years ago, and if I said them, you would know them right off the, you would just, oh yeah, it was a blockbuster about 10, 12 years ago. And he says, in those movies... The goal is for the cool, good-looking dude to end up in bed on his first date. And then he went and specifically shared uh, two songs that were in the top ten. And if I said those two songs, you would recognize them. So clearly, our culture, our TV shows, our blockbuster movies, our music, the top ten says that what's most important in dating is physical attraction, sexual flirtation, two people on, you know, 
little cool uh, lazy boy recliners, sexual experimentation and sexual satisfaction. Is really that's what's most important on this journey of dating? I think if we look at our world and we look at relationships, I think if we look and examine marriages and if we look at dating relationships, those who have followed the cultures, maybe not consciously, boy, that's my goal, but maybe subconsciously, we see blown up marriages. We see bits and pieces of relationships. We see deep, wounded individuals who are lonely and struggling, who put up huge masks, facades, just try to pump up who they are. What does God have to say about this culture's view that the most important thing in dating is this physical attraction, sexual flirtation, sexual experimentation, and sexual satisfaction. Well, let's just turn to the second chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 and 21 through 25, and let's see what God has to say about this sex, and if is sex most important in dating. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So here, God, the creator of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful being, creates the universe and creates the world and creates everything in the world to the point where we go, wow, this is an incredible, beautiful, awe-inspiring creation. And then he creates a man, a human, Adam. And in his whole creating uh, job that he is doing, and he's, he's making this world and universe beautiful. He says, everything is good. Everything's fantastic. Everything is awesome until he gets to Adam, until he gets to one human being. And he looks at that human being and says, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so look what God does. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. See what's taking place here? God sees everything in his universe, everything in his world is really good and awe-inspiring. And then when he creates man, a human, and he sees that he is alone, this male is alone, he says, that's not a good deal. Knocks him out, puts him to sleep, lays him down, takes a rib, creates another incredible, beautiful, complex, extremely attractive female. Then he wakes Adam up. He ushers in this incredible, beautiful woman and says, Adam, meet Eve. And he gives the gift of man and woman male and female, as a gift to one another. A powerful gift. A beautiful gift. A mysterious gift. Look at Adam's response. The man said, ah, big deal. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. What does it say there? Genesis chapter 2. The man says, 
This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I mean, this is where, in the Hebrew, it talks about, (laughs) she's good looking. She's incredibly awesome, attractive, beautiful. I mean, we're talking the thrill of dating. We're talking the flutter of the heart, the butterflies in the stomach. I mean, that's when he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I mean, he is extremely communicating how pleased he is to receive this incredible, beautiful, mysterious gift of a female. I mean, that's what the Hebrew means when Adam says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And then the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I mean, God right here gives us so much extremely important information about sex and sexuality. But it is not the most important deal in dating. But boy, we need to understand what it is. I mean, in the very beginning, before any other human beings are created other than Adam and Eve... God clearly communicates to the history of the world how important sex is and what sex is all about. And boy, parents and grandparents, we need to understand this text, these few verses of really what it means and what sex is all about. God has clearly given man and woman this incredible, powerful, beautiful, mysterious gift of sex to us human beings. And it is so beautiful. It is so powerful. It is so mysterious. We need to comprehend what that means. Let's just think for a moment. Think of um, your most favorite professional athlete in America. Now, if you don't like sports, think of someone in your life who loves sports and what their most favorite uh, professional athlete is. All right. Now, Got that athlete in your mind? That athlete, they got some extra spending money. It's a little different than how you and I have you know, our, our resources. And think, all right, that professional athlete takes a quarter of a million of his kind of change money and buys the most powerful, high-performance sports car in, in the world. Spent $250,000 on it. And then he's taken that, and he has met you... And he just tosses you the keys and he signs over the deed to this beautiful, powerful, high-performance sports car that's worth a quarter of a million dollars. Now, that's a pretty awesome gift. Now, my question is, you have the keys. You have the deed. You take the deed and you put it in your safety deposit box. Now, what do you do with that high-performance, powerful, beautiful, high-performance machine? I mean, do you dangle this beautiful machine out for anyone to see? Do you use it to manipulate and to control people, to attract them to you so that you can have more friends and you can seduce them in a beautiful way? Or do you take um, that car and do you flaunt it in powerful ways? Or do you take that car and say, all right, I'm going to toss the keys to anyone that I see that, I like or is attractive and let them do with that car the way they please? Or do you take those keys and 
put them in the car and soup it up and cruise around you know, the highways in unbelievable ways because it handles like you wouldn't imagine because it is a high-performance, powerful machine. And then do you just blow past why that machine was created and pop up over the you know, curb and damage all the stuff underneath and go mudding in the deep, cool mud and off-roading? And you take this high-performance sports car and you just start cruising off into the mud and the first mud hole you just get stuck and you just floor on the gas and the more gas you put on because it's got power like you wouldn't believe. And all of a sudden it's just going deeper and deeper into the mud to the point it's just going to blow up. I mean, there's no way you would do something like that with that high-performance machine, would you? I mean, here, why would you do that in the first place? Because you got this professional athlete, he likes you for some reason, gives you this powerful you know, machine, gives you the keys, it's yours, and then what if you just spit all over his gift and damage it? There's no way he's going to kind of, I mean, I don't know. But how often do we human beings take a gift that's way more valuable than $250,000 sports high-performance car? This gift of sexuality that is more valuable than any material possession the world could even manufacture. How often do we take this powerful beautiful, mysterious gift of sex and dangle it to get other people's love and acceptance. How often do we pop off the road and go blow past the guidelines of what this powerful, mysterious, beautiful gift of sex is all about and we go four-wheeling and we deeply hurt ourselves Emotionally, relationally, physically. I mean, the Bible says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That word united, in your Bibles, if you have a pen, take a hand. If you have nothing to write on, write united on your palm. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you need to know what this united word means. It means a permanent bonding. It's not a casual little, hey, little zipper kind of bonding, taking one half of material and putting it together with another half of material and just kind of casually zips up once in a while and casually unzips. It's a permanent bonding. The idea in the Hebrew of this word united is permanent glue. So that when one man and one woman have sexual intercourse and they give the gift of sex to one another, it not just binds them physically, but it permanently binds their emotions. It permanently binds their inner being. It permanently binds their soul, their heart, all of who they are at the innermost being. They become one flesh. And this is such a unique, beautiful, powerful, mysterious gift of becoming one. It's hard for me to describe. But God says it is so beautiful, it is so powerful, it's so mysterious that it needs to be protected within the lifelong safety-security relationship 
of marriage. Parents, grandparents, if you don't have this down like the back of your hand, our sons and daughters, our grandsons and granddaughters are going to continue to follow what the culture has to say that we just saw in this video. And the result is wounds that go so deep it becomes extremely complicated to figure out what's going on on the inside that we have to try to mask up all of the emotional, spiritual, soulish, inner being, heart wounds that are so deep, so complicated, so mysterious to figure out that we put a facade over that. We put a fake little uh, uh, costume over it, bandage over it. No wonder why in relationships the jealousy meter just goes off the charts and we can't even control whether we're hopping in the car and driving over to our girlfriend's house or our boyfriend's house because we're thinking that someone's in there with them because we're deeply wounded emotionally. I mean, the whole trust foundation, we can't even let anyone come close to us and then our sex becomes so meaningless. I mean, I could just list pain after pain, wound after wound on how important sex is in relationship, that it needs to be protected within the safety, the security of a lifelong commitment of marriage. Parents and grandparents, are we solid on that? Are we ready to go to our children and our grandchildren and our children's friends and our grandchildren's friends and be communicating this and in planning, scheduling, having our, those friends over for dinner? Hey, you know, did you see that movie? And you're strategically thinking, God, give me wisdom how we can bring this up. And you're just, hey, you're eating some good food and all that kind of stuff, but you are praying like crazy. You know, hey, did you see that movie? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and cool blockbuster. Did you see that part? Blah, blah, blah. And also there's a cool dialogue. And the next thing you know, well, what do you think of that one scene right here and all of a sudden the teenager's like whoa I can't believe I'm talking about this with my mom and dad I can't believe I'm talking about this with my friends mom and dad well yeah maybe your children will be awkward but most often the friends of the children will go oh I would love to have someone who has experience and knowledge and someone I respect talk to me about that are we ready for that? Are we doing that? Parents and grandparents, is that like on a monthly schedule with you guys? Oh, that's my prayer. That you would become such an influence with your children, your children's friends, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's friends, that you are changing culture. You are changing families. You're changing dating relationships. That's the mission of Christians in the church for our world. Sorry, man, I'm getting on my soapbox here. I'm sorry. But this is huge. Um, And boy, we, the church, we Christians, we need to be communicating the truth about this beautiful, mysterious, powerful gift of sex with our children and our grandchildren. So let's keep on doing it, River. All right? Um, So now that this... Sexual, uh, physical attention, sexual flirtation, sexual experimentation, and sexual satisfaction is not what's primal in dating. What is? Well, I think what is most important in this dating journey is becoming individually the healthiest, strongest, most mature, beautiful individual on the inside that I can be. I think that's what's most important. It's a journey of 
Becoming all who God created me to be. So that when Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright comes along, I am ready for possibly dating them. So that I'm ready for possibly being um, engaged to them. So that I am ready to jump into this huge, awesome, beautiful deal called marriage. We don't want to miss out on Mr. Wright and Mrs. Wright when they come along because we're not prepared, because we're not mature enough or healthy enough or understand more of all of who we are. I mean, that is what's most important. It is extremely growing who we are individually to become beautiful, radiant, all of who God created us to be and discovering that. And how do we do that? How do we become that individual? Well, I just want to share three discoveries this morning that we can work on if we're single or if we're dating or if we're a person who is potentially dating. Um, And if we are parents and grandparents, we can take these discoveries and we can work on these discoveries with our children and grandchildren. So the first discovery is discovering how to be content. Singles live a temporary type lifestyle. Don't, don't we? Here in America, uh, we have these temporary living arrangements if we're single. We don't really, all right, well, we kind of live here and kind of live there, and I rent kind of here and that kind of stuff. We're temporarily having living arrangements all over the place. And if we're single, we have these temporary eating habits. We do a lot of fast food stuff. We do a lot of drive through We do a lot of eat here, eat there, and it's kind of on the go. Um, we have temporary church experiences. One of the top problems in the local church in America for singles, yeah, it's, it's, it's competing with premarital sex and it's competing with um, some other things. It's church hopping. It's because we just go from one church to the next, to the next, and we temporarily experience this church. We temporarily experience that church and we temporarily experience this church. Singles also temporarily do relationships. Well, we'll kind of get involved in this relationship. We'll kind of get involved in that relationship. Kind of get involved in that relationship. And we're waiting for that future Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. There's a group of people in the Old Testament, God's people, the nation of Israel, who were living on temporarily uh, type of lifestyle like uh, many singles in America do. Uh, they were captured um, they were put in slavery, they were given a uh, land, and they were thinking, okay, we're just going to be here for a short time, maybe a few months, maybe a year, two years tops. And so they were like, we're just not going to you know, build homes, we're not going to really invest in living right here, right now. And so when you know, a storm came, you know, it was a horrible deal, it was like Survivor. They don't really have shelter, and they're just getting their tail, tail kicked by a thunderstorm, whatever's coming their way. And God sees that and communicates to them, confronts this temporary living arrangement. And look what he says in Jer- Jeremiah twenty nine twenty eight through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah sent a letter here to the Babylon, predicting that our captivity, the nation of Israel's captivity, will be a long one. He said, build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, eat the food they produce. I mean, God is saying, stop living temporarily. Stop moping about your circumstance. Stop moaning about it and complaining about it. And invest, build a home, build a shelter. Sit down with friends and dig into a great meal. 
Invest in a church family. Invest in some relationships who are single, who are married, young and old. God says temporarily living is not a good thing. He wants us to live right here, right now, and learn this deal of contentment, the skill of contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7 says, There is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. God wants us to be content. Content with who we are. Content with where we are in life. Content with how we're living. Content with what money we've got coming in, what money we don't got coming in. Content with where we are in the dating journey. Whether we're daters, potential daters, parents of daters, or parents of potential daters, grandparents, that kind of thing. God wants us to be content. The definition of content is not waiting for circumstances to change to be happy. The Bible teaches us that happiness is a choice. That we choose, no matter what our circumstances is, because we can't really control our circumstances, whatever those circumstances, we choose. Are we going to be accepting those and happy in those, or are we not? Attitude is a choice. So contentment is not waiting for our circumstances to change in order to be satisfied, to be content. Philippians 4, 12-13 says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with something, with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation. Here, the Apostle Paul, he learned how to be content because he knew that the contentment was a skill that is learned. And he knew, boy, he had plenty of uh, things to live on. He knew where his meals were coming. He knew how to be content in that to the point where he had plenty, to the point where he's building enough, close enough relationship with Christ that God says, why don't you take some of your plenty and give it to people in need? And all of a sudden you get, he got more and more uh, content because he's sharing what he's got. But then he also had times in his life where he didn't even know where his next meal was coming from. And he learned how to be content in that. And what's the secret to that? What's the secret to learning the skill And the art of contentment. Well, it's the next phrase. It's Philippians 4, 13. And many of us might have it memorized. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here, the Apostle Paul, in order to be content in his wealth, he is building a tight, close relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. He's sharing, well, God, look at all this cool stuff that you're blessing me with. I thank you and praise you for all this stuff. And then he's so tight with God that he hears God's still small voice and Jesus say, why don't you share it with the person who doesn't have that in your career, in your job, in the person that you just passed by. But then he also builds such a tight relationship then when he's waiting on God because he doesn't have his next meal, he's like, God, I need you to provide my next meal. And I'm sure he has a lifetime of stories of how God just came and met his needs and fed him. So here the skill of learning how to be content is to say, I want to become a follower of Christ. I want to become an individual who is learning to relate with Jesus on a personal, invisible, daily experience. That I want to follow his teaching. I want to follow his leading and guiding in my life. I want to experience all of the spiritual benefit of forgiveness of removal, of guilt, of healing, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, sexually. I want to experience the benefit of getting a new meaning, a new purpose in life. I want all of those benefits, but I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to relate with Christ. I want to be tight with Christ. 
so that Jesus will clearly communicate to us in his still small voice as we learn how to be in that relationship to be content in plenty and be content when we are in need. I think many of you who have experienced walking with Jesus Christ uh, could tell story after story of how Jesus came in and met a need. Um, I, I could tell you a handful of them right now with me personally, and I could tell you a handful of them right now that happens at the riverfront. Just a few this past week were extremely exciting and awesome. It's just unbelievable, but we don't have a whole lot of time to go into that. Um, so here's the challenge for each and every one of us who are dating or uh, potential daters or parents teaching our children or grandparents teaching our grandchildren. Um, the secret is daily... Seek Jesus Christ. Daily be tight with Christ. Daily do a dangerous prayer with Jesus Christ. God, help me to be content. Help me to realize all of the blessings you've given me. And is there any way you want me to share that with others? And if we're in a need, thank you for this need that I've got, and I'm looking forward to how you're going to provide my need. That's a dangerous prayer. And that's learning and discovering the art of contentment. The second discovery that's extremely important as we're on this journey of becoming the uh, healthiest, most beautiful individual that we can be so that when Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright comes along, we're ready for them, is to discover who we are. Flat out discover who we are. And before we go into that, I totally skipped three things that I need just quickly share. Um, going back to being content, the Bible tells us that there's three kinds of singles out there in this world. Um, and we need to know that in order to be content. Uh, first one comes from 1 Corinthians 7, 7. I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, but to others he gives the gift of singleness. The first uh, kind of single out there is single by creation. God has created some of us individuals across the globe to be single our whole life. That's one. Um, And here that's uh, a powerful gift. Uh, Second kind of single comes from Matthew 19, verse 12. Some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of God. This is single by choice. I mean, some singles choose to be singles because they want to build God's kingdom more than they want to build a family and build a marriage. And uh, that's a beautiful thing, an incredible sacrificial thing. Uh, a, a third kind of single is 1 Corinthians seven fifteen. But if the unbelieving spouse leaves... Let him do so. A believing man or a woman is not bound in such circumstances. Here, they're single by circumstance. It's a third kind. And this is a little bit more difficult. It's much more uh, potentially painful. Some of the circumstances might be because of a blown-up relationship, a blown-up marriage, uh, a divorce. Some might be because of a tragedy of losing your husband or wife and become a widow. Others because of damaging relationships in, as boyfriend and girlfriend. Others because you haven't met Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright yet. Um, and those are painful deals. But in order to learn the 
secret and the skill of contentment, we need to understand what is our circumstance, why am I single, and then fully accepting that as a gift from God at this time on this particular leg of the journey of the dating game that I'm in. We need to learn the skill of contentment. Sorry, I almost forgot that. I think that was extremely important. Um, Second discovery, like I said, is discover who we really are. There's a common uh, time investment that singles do, that pre-daters do and daters do, and that is to um, invest our downtime, our daydreaming time, our free time in thinking about Mr. Beautiful or Mrs. Knockout Gorgeous. And we just daydream and think, what is he or she going to look like? How is she or he going to talk? What kind of accent will he or she have? How will he or she communicate certain words? How will he or she walk? How are she, he or she going to smell? What talents and gifts and abilities are they going to have? How are we going to uh, do life? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to work? Where are we going to serve in a church? And we dream about all of these expectations. And quite often, we dream about that and we invest a lot of time doing that. And God says, instead of dreaming what the future might be like, let's invest in who you are and discovering who you are. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You were there while I was being formed in utter seclusion. You saw me before I was born and you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. I mean, here God is clearly sharing with us that each and every one of you, including myself, were made for a purpose. Each and every one of you, including myself, were unique, one of a kind. And we are wonderfully complex. And I think it's going to take a lifetime to really discover all of who God created us to be. This past weekend, the, many of the women of the River Church went on a retreat, and the whole retreat was geared around discovering the temperament who, of who God created those women to be. And so they spent session after session um, learning about that, dialoguing about it, discussing about it. Uh, in fact, many of the women have taken that information and they're sharing that with their husband and their children and their other friends. Um, and they're trying to learn what is the temperament of who God created us to be. And, and it was a fascinating retreat for these women. And many of them discovered cool things more about themselves. Um, can we just do a quick little exercise? Um, can you turn to the person next to you and share with them your three favorite foods or desserts? So you're just going like, to look at them and in just a moment you're going to say, you know, chocolate chip cookies, pizza, uh, pasta, whatever, you know? So ready? Just share your three favorite foods or desserts. On your marker set, go. If you're sitting alone, sorry. <laughs> All right. That was pretty easy, wasn't it? 
Who had a hard time just figuring out what they like to eat? Anyone have a hard time figuring out what like they eat? We got one, a couple people back there. Um, all right, thanks for being honest. Now, let's try to do something a little bit different. Can you share with the person next to you um, your personality type according to Myers-Briggs, ENFP, ISTJ? On your market set, go. Some of you are looking at me still. That's no, no, you know, because you don't know what the Myers-Briggs personality test is. All right, how about this one? Do this one. Share with the person next to you um, the LaHaye temperament an- analysis of what temperament you are. You ready? On your market set, go. You know, sanguine, col- melancholy, col- choleric, you know that or not? Okay, you're not doing too well on this one, all right? Now, how about this one? Think of your three natural talents that you have, the natural abilities that you have, the top three natural abilities. On your market set, go, share it with them. Okay, it's still, you know, it's not like you're doing this real well. Okay, let's try one more. Will you share with the person next to you the top three spiritual gifts that God gave you? All right? The top three spiritual gifts. On your market set, go. Now it's really quiet. (laughs) Um, all right. Uh, this is part of all discovering who you are. Thank you for that kind of crowd participation. It's good stuff. Some of you are like, yeah, I know, you know, like for me, I'm an ENFP. Um, my wife's an ISTJ, so it's really easy. We're opposites on the personality chart. Um, also, you know, the temperament deal. We know what she is and she, we know what I am, uh, that kind of deal. And we're different, very different. Um, but here... We, God says we need to learn how, who we really are. What is our personality? What is our temperament? What are the natural talents that I have that God has given me and gifted me with? What are the spiritual gifts that God has given me? And it takes time to discover all of that. And here at the River Church, we provide different opportunities for that. Um, we, we have a discovery ministry that will help you figure out what your Myers-Briggs personality is. Um, is And we also will help you discover what your natural gifts are and talents are. We'll also help you discover what your spiritual gifts are. Um, we also have you know, the LaHaye temperament analysis that will help you understand what is your temperament. Um, there's also a whole analysis on shape we have that we could give you and offer you, and you could figure out what is your shape, and it discovers even more of who you are in these different areas. Um, I think it's extremely important for all of us to discover more of who we are. The more we understand who we are, then when we get into a dating relationship or an engagement relationship or a marriage-type deal, then the more we understand ourselves, the more we're able to relate and communicate and build that relationship. But when we're not knowing fully who God created us to be, it's a huge problem because then we're in a relationship or in a marriage where we're both trying to figure out who we are, and that becomes extremely challenging. Um, so that's the second challenge is for us to discover who we are. The third challenge, or the third discovery, is to discover the God adventure life. You know, here, like I said, one of the number one problems for Christian singles in America is to go from one church to the next church. Um, Even in the Twin Cities, it's a huge problem. It's a raging problem. They go from, you know, uh, Crystal 
to Wooddale, to Woodland Hills, to Upper Room, and there's so many others that we could just pop, 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 pop. And just about every Christian single in the Twin Cities knows all of the fantastic Christian single churches. Because it's a major problem running wild in America for Christian singles. And here, God wants us to discover this God-adventuresome life that he wants us to be on. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 12. But if it's only money these leaders are after, they'll self-destruct in no time. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. But you, Timothy, man of God, run for your life. From all of this, pursue a righteous life, a life of wonder, a life of faith, a life of love, a life of steadiness, a life of courtesy. Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to live, the life you so fervently embrace in the presence of so many witnesses. Here, a seasoned follower of Christ who experienced God-adventuresome life like it's hard to describe is passing on to a young pastor Live and discover the God-adventure life that God has for you. This God-adventure life is the most freeing life on the planet. It's a life full of freedom. Freedom from pain. Let me remove that last statement. (laughs) It's not freedom from pain. That is something I need to just remove. Just push, pause, erase, let's rewind. What is this life of freedom all about, this God adventure? It's a life that is free from guilt. It's free from sulking in the pain of hurt and sin. It's free from a continual negative thinking pattern. It's freedom from negative behavior pattern. It's freedom from continually hurting ourselves. It's freedom from continually hurting other people. It's freedom to say no to things that cause extreme pain in my life because I'm stuck and I'm enslaved to that type of sin or horrible negative thinking behavior pattern. It's freedom from all of that. It's freedom to be able to hear God's still small voice and experience His leading in our life to be able to go love and enhance and serve other people. Um, the challenge here is to discover when you walk with Christ, He wants to give you cool God adventures, God plays. He wants to help you figure out how can you serve other people and enhance other people's life in a powerful, practical way on a daily basis. One of the uh, coolest things that we can do if we are potential daters, daters, if we're parents or grandparents of daters or potential daters, is to pray this prayer daily. God, What is it that you want me to do today? How is it that I can make a difference? What's the God adventure you have for me today? And if you want to pray that prayer and God's not answering it, just come to the riverfront and you'll experience incredible God adventures. Uh, This past week, a marriage was about to blow up. Gentleman came in, paused on all my stuff, and we sat down he explained the situation. And I said, whoa, that's tough. I don't even know what to do. Let's pray. 
And we prayed, and we prayed fervently. By the end of his work day, because he works here at the Mall of America, um, his wife came. And she apologized like she's never apologized in her whole life. And the, the spiritual negative stronghold that just fell because of Jesus Christ's answer to prayer is a chance for the band to come up and just sing about God's awesome deeds. Because that was a miracle that is unbelievable. Um, and all we did was pray. Uh, the more we open ourselves up, God, what is it you want for us today? The more he'll give us eyes to see people who are lonely. The more he'll give us eyes to see people who are hurting. The more he'll cause us to go and write an encouraging letter. Spend some time and just do something with and for someone. Give a listening ear. Become a friend. Um, here, if those of us who are single, those of us who are married, if we can learn to live this God-adventure life, um, how attractive is that going to be for Mr. Wright and Mrs. Wright when they come along and see you? You're this pillar in this community that you live in. You have this incredible strength and wisdom and love and servant-type attitude for anyone and everyone that God would lead to you. You are living a Holy Spirit, adventuresome life. I mean, I don't care if this Mr. Wright and Mrs. Wright hate God or doesn't like God or doesn't like the church. They're just going to go, holy smokes, look at that incredible, strong, healthy, attractive individual. I want to be with them. I want to be like them. The third discovery to become a beautiful, healthy, strong, mature individual ready for Mr. and Mrs. Wright is to discover the God adventure life. To team up with a local church and just diving in and putting roots down and serving like crazy and being used by God in powerful ways where there's just God's story after God's story to the point where the enemy cringes about the incredible God deeds, as Psalm 96 tells us. Well, I think that's what's most important in this dating deal. And those are three discoveries that we could invest our time and our energy in becoming healthy, strong, mature, and beautiful. And our church is more than willing to team up with you to help you with that. Will you stand with me as we close in prayer? God, thanks so much for your word. I am grateful for the wisdom that it contains for us. I'm thankful that it helps us with relationships more than any other information on the planet. It's not a self-help book. It's a wisdom book. And it's not only contained with wisdom, it's contained with power. Power to help us live the relationships the way you want us to live relationships. So I pray for every potential dater, every dater, every parent and grandparent of potential daters and daters, that you would equip us more and more with the wisdom and the power from your word on how to do this thing called dating. Make that happen, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the River Church Podcast for Sunday, November 5th, 2006. Comments or questions, please send us an email at feedback at theriverchurchmoa.org. The music in this podcast came from the Podsafe Music Network, 
music.podshow.com. And now here's Katie Weir. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. No